Now, Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Here's your host, Chris Story. I am a realtor. I pledge myself to strive to be honorable and abide by the golden rule. I pledge myself to strive to serve well my community and through it, my country. I pledge myself to abide by the Realtor's Code of Ethics to strive to conform my conduct to its aspirational ideals. I pledge myself to act honestly in all real estate dealings. I pledge myself to protect the individual right of real estate ownership and to widen the opportunity to enjoy it. I pledge myself to seek better to represent my clients by building my knowledge and competence. I am a realtor. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Welcome to the Backyard Millionaire. I'm Christopher Story along with Mr. David Webb. Why do I say Christopher Story? I know that the uh, the lead-in said Chris Story. But you'll notice when I say Chris Story, I have to give a greater pause because of a, uh, a lift that I battled for many, many years. So when I would say my name out loud, I got in the habit of saying Christopher Story because... The Chris story didn't quite um, sound so... It, it just it separated the two. You get what I'm saying. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Call me what you will. I am Chris Story. And this is the Backyard Millionaire. Thank you for being here. Great, great show. Really good show. An inspiring show. And I open with the Realtor Pledge for one particular reason... I want to remind you that realtors are in your backyard, wherever you are. There are realtors there. We are going to, in today's show, talk about building your team around you. Now, this is in in an effort to build a, a portfolio and become a backyard millionaire. Also, I want to remind you that realtors versus just agents have a higher standard of duty and care for you. And so we'll talk about that. But I wanted to just plant in your mind that seed once again that realtors are important. And on the eighth day, 
God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God made a realtor. God said, I need somebody that will get up before dawn with the dedication of the sun, risk time, energy, and investment for no salary or guarantee, work long hours on the street, prepare and deliver presentations, serve and attend to others' emergencies, then stay out past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a realtor. God needed somebody mentally tough that could wake up unemployed every day, yet gentle enough to have compassion for others, someone that can build a bridge between people and technology, someone to arrive home nightly in the dark to accommodate others' time, tell them, thank you for the opportunity, and mean it. So God made a realtor. God said, I need somebody that can sell like Carnegie, make contacts and write contracts, handle objections and deal with rejections, and who can finish her 40-hour week by Wednesday noon, then weary from contingencies and people's eccentricities and volatilities, put in another 40 hours and sacrifice a weekend, too. So God made a realtor. Been thinking a little bit about forgiveness lately. Is it... Sometimes I find when I bring something up here to you, you you say, yeah, I get it. And, and I don't know if it's just that you and I are in such great harmony or if there's something universal about some things that I just latch onto in my mind and, and you feel that as well. But right now I've been thinking a lot about forgiveness. And Mark Twain's quote about forgiveness is never far from my mind, thanks to Wayne Dyer. I heard Wayne Dyer repeat this first, but it was a Mark Twain quote Forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds upon the heel that has crushed it. And I think when you think about forgiveness, it would be easy to hear that quote and think that forgiveness is weakness. And I think that'd be a big mistake. I don't think you should ever, I don't think any of us should ever mistake weakness and forgiveness for one or the other. They should never be conflated. They are two different things. Holding on to a grievance will only cripple you. It's not a sign of strength. Now, this isn't to say that you should allow yourself to be enslaved or demeaned or attacked. Uh -uh. Forgiveness, like happiness, is, however, an inside job. You have to be the one to let go of something you're harboring so as to move on with your life. Not to move on under the yoke of somebody else's oppressive nature, not to be ground down beneath the rapacious heel of some would-be dictator, be they in your life or politically speaking. This isn't that what that's about. Forgiveness is about after the attack, after words, and you're still clinging to something that is in fact only harming you. Imagine what you want and get out of the way. Remember, energy follows thought, so be careful what you say. Be careful what you ask for, make sure it's really what you want. Because your mind is made for thinking, and energy follows thought. Your mind is in control. Even when you do not know And if you let it idle Ain't no telling where it'll go Whatever you are sleeping 
and your dreams take you away. Go on with your dream and listen to what they say. You know, Willie's right. By the way, this is the same Willie that brought us Shotgun Willie, who sits around in his underwear. <laughs> what a versatile songwriter is Willie Nelson. Love this tune. Reminds me of a quote from Helen Keller, keep your face to the sun and you can't see a shadow. I mean, Helen Keller, hello, had every reason to bury herself into the shadows of life. Born deaf, dumb and blind, and yet had the power of sight, or I guess insight, into human nature. I'm looking at a plaque on my wall right now. It says, change your thoughts, change your world. It's by Norman Vincent Peale, and that's so true. And it's a daily reminder to me to remind myself that yes, I can. Yes, you really can make a million bucks in your own backyard. You can do anything you set your mind to, if you set your mind to it. This isn't magical fairy dust or unicorn thinking. This is literally a formula for life. Ain't no telling where it'll go. Imagine what you want. Get out of the way Remember energy follows thought So be careful what you say You know, mortgage rates are on the rise. Heard a uh, little blip from uh, Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae, I forget which. One of the two mortgage giants this morning just announced that it's up a percent or a fraction of a percent from last week. I think it's going to be going up for a little while, and then it's going to come down, then it's going to go back up, then it's going to come down. We're going to be talking with Stephen Gist. He's a mortgage broker at Global Credit Union. We're going to talk about where the rates are at. I have a question for him, too. Are there any rates right now, any mortgages offering something other than 7 plus percent? I mean, is there anything sub 7 right now that you need to know about? Plus, we want to talk to him a little bit about down payments. Down payment is a huge barrier to entry into the real estate world. And yet it's a, a leverage, if you will, a mortgage is a massive shovel with which to dig for your fortune. I know what you're thinking, but but isn't that, can't you dig a hole? Yeah, you can dig a hole. And well, with consumer debt, that's a different shovel. See, it, when you dig with a consumer shovel brought to you by Visa, MasterCard, etc., that's where you dig a hole you can't climb out of. When you're using your golden shovel, which is leverage multiplied by effort equals gold, that is when you win and you win bigly. We'll talk to Stephen Guest about that. So we're talking about down payment. We're talking about interest rates, new programs. Plus, I want to know, is there anything right now for a first-time home buyer that's worth looking at? It's always when the interest rates go up that we start thinking about, wait a minute, are you a first-time home buyer? You know, then when interest rates are all sub 4%, you know, 2.75, 3.25%, nobody cares. Don't matter. It's, we're all in the same bathtub at that point. Don't matter. But now, could matter. We'll talk to Stephen Guest about that with Global Credit Union and our mortgage moment. Plus, we've got Live Like You're Selling and also a land of education when we return here to the Backyard Millionaire. Time now for a mortgage moment here on the Backyard Millionaire. I'm Christopher Story along with Mr. Stephen Guest. He's with Global Credit Union. You can reach out to him after the mortgage moment at 907-226-8815 or online, stephengist.com. That's G-I-S-T, Stephen with a V. How you doing, Stephen? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you doing? 
Fantastic. Other than I kind of already spoiled it. The interest rates are up. I just heard Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, I forget which, had announced that this week's rate's higher than last week. Uh, where are we at with a typical conventional mortgage right now? Yeah, so uh, right now our 30-year, uh, we're looking at uh, 7.375 with a 7.439 APR. 15-year at uh, 6.875 with a 6.912 APR. So that's kind of uh, ruins my next question because I was going to ask you if there's anything sub seven percent. Yeah, fifteen years sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So fifteen year, you can still get in the sixes. Uh, maybe some twenty years, you can get the sixes. But uh, yeah, so for thirty years, basically uh, mid to low sevens, fifteen year, um, yeah, high sixes. All right. Um... I mean, obviously, I mean, the only reason somebody would want a 30 versus uh, 20 or 15 is that it's a lower payment. You're stretching it out over more time. Obviously, the amortization scale works in your favor on the payment, so you can a lower payment, but that also drives up what you're qualified for. So what are you seeing um, predominantly right now? Anybody grabbing a 15 or a 20-year mortgage or all basically going 30 in your experience? So... I would say, yeah, 99% of the people I'm working with are looking at a 30-year, mm-hmm. you know, even, gosh, even folks that uh, can make the 15-year payment, um, you know, some of them, what they're doing is they're, they're just going with a 30-year amortization, but they're going to make what, what's the equivalent of a 15-year payment um, and then, then have the option to back off that if they need to, mm-hmm. but still get the benefit of paying down that principal a little bit faster. So that's... You know, any, anybody who's uh, who can pay that 15-year amortization, that's that's more what they're looking at. Down payment is a has been traditionally, historically, a, a barrier. One of the bigger barriers to entry in real estate and buying either a home or an investment property. That obviously, with an investment property, you're you're up in down payment. What's the minimum down payment for a non-owner occupied investment, like a rental home? What would that minimum down payment be? Yeah, so if it's a single-family home, you can get into that with 15% down. Mm-hmm. And then once you uh, go above that, so uh, duplex or, or more, then you're looking at 25% down. Never going to go back to 10, is it? I don't think so. I love that program. So. I love that program. It was so wonderful. I used it. I had a lot of clients that used it. and. Um, but I get it. It's just that those days are gone. That's okay. Let's not cry, Stephen, over spilt milk. It's over. Let's look forward. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's talk about zero to three percent down for anybody buying a home to live in. So um, zero down VA comes to mind. Rural Development USDA. But but what about three or three and a half percent? What programs are available there? Yeah, yeah. There's some interesting three uh, percent down programs. So if you're a uh, uh, if, if you're a first-time home buyer, uh, then you, there's a there's a really nice three percent down conventional loan. Um, there is a another three percent down conventional loan. It's and there's some great benefits to that one. It's income capped though, and interestingly enough, that one is not a first-time home buyer program. You don't have to be a first-time home buyer for that one, but that's uh, that's a really interesting product. So when you say, um, hold on, when you say interest, or I mean, excuse me, income capped, you mean to say you can't make over a certain amount and still qualify? Correct, correct. So so it's kind of interesting. So if you were, let's say, um, you wanted to do a 3% down loan, 
And I think in our area, you can't make over like 84,000 is the cap. And so if you, let's say you made 110,000, you could still do a 3% down loan. It's, it's, it's not quite as good as that, um, uh, the other one that's income caps, but it's still a good, good product. Mm-hmm. But you can do that one. But for that one, you have to be a first-time home buyer. Okay. So Got it's, it. it's kind of interesting that way. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah. So the zero downs, you know, like I said, VA is the one that most people know about. Uh, USDA, RD, that's a great one. That's zero down. And then, um, you know, the, the USDA, that one is income capped as well. So like, you know, a family of up to, I think, three people, you can't make more than 124000 a year on that one. Mm-hmm. So if you make more than that, we do have a portfolio loan where we can do zero down and there's no income cap on that. So that's, yeah, that I've used that several times and that's, that tends to be a pretty good option for folks who um, either don't have the down payment or they want to keep their capital. Does that portfolio loan come at a higher interest cost then I would assume? It's, it's, it's a higher interest rate than the, um, than what like USDA would be. Uh, on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it is a higher interest rate. Um, hmm. I had another question just before that. And then I, I, my, uh, my brain is going in three different directions at once. Um, let's come back to the USDA. That's what it was. USDA or rural development is equivalent to what in the eighties would have been a farm home loan. And in some people's mind, that is a cycle that one can never get free of. It's almost like a gravitational pull. The more, uh, you pay, and the longer the time goes on, the more you owed. They kept putting money owed to the back end. Um, and, and suddenly people that have purchased a home under this great farm home program ended up like, well, I'll never pay it off. And and so I think it'd be worth walking through how they're different, like how the farm home loans of yesteryear are different than what you and I are talking about with the USDA rural development. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So, so there's actually when when you talk about rural development, zero down loans, there's there's actually two forms of that. So, there's the there's the loan that's called the guaranteed loan, and that's something that's originated by by banks, credit unions, mortgage brokers, and and so rural development's not providing any funding. They're not doing any of the origination. They'll just do a real quick review of everything before they give the commitment. But all they're doing is guaranteeing the loan. So that if someone defaults, there's a guarantee there that the uh, that the investor won't lose any money on it, or they can file a claim against it. So that so that's one, and that one just acts like a regular mortgage. You just pay down the principal. You know, there's nothing else attached to it that's you know recapture when you sell it. So that's a that's a really clean, nice, streamlined loan. And then the other one is is where you apply through rural development directly. And that's the one that um, can do amazing things in terms of grants, interest rate reductions, um, you know, uh, kind of second loans, things like that. Uh, but there are some strings attached to those that have blindsided folks uh, that I've known. So, mm-hmm. uh, so if you do go into that one, it's an amazing program. You just have to be fully aware of, of all the details of after you have the loan at a first certain amount of time, you might owe some you might owe something when you sell it, that sort of thing. Right. 
Well, and knowledge and information is power as you move into becoming an investor. And it can always start with your first home. It doesn't have to be home two, three to four. It can be that first home. You still need to know exactly what you're getting into. What will you owe at the end of it all? What will you have paid an interest? I don't like to get too bogged down with the amortization schedule or table to go, oh my goodness, look at how much interest you'd have paid over 30 years. That's not the point. And later in the program, we're going to talk about cash flow and how to win with this game of real estate. But in the meantime, these are huge levers of opportunity for you. Um, I, I guess, Stephen, you answered my other question I was going to ask you about today, which is first time home buyer. You mentioned the 3% down program as an advantage for first-time home buyers. Any other advantages right now or things that people should be aware of if they are, in fact, first-time home buyer? Yeah, you know, those are, I think those are the, the ones that are most interesting now. The, the 3% downs are very interesting. Uh, Alaska Housing, of course, has a, a, a very, like, kind of traditional first-time home buyer program that can be uh, really interesting at this point. But, uh, but yeah, I think I, I really think the zero down, 3% down, you know, what I, what I tell folks is there's really, there's not a lot of like, you know, pure traditional first time home buyer programs out there right now, mm -hmm. but there's actually, um, more loans out there right now that are great for first time home buyers. So even though there's not, you know, true first time home buyer programs right now, there's still a lot of really good options. What about shared income? And by that, that, I mean, I'm kind of backing into a question, which is really, um, you, you've got maybe almost enough income to qualify for the home you want to purchase, but not quite. Can you co-borrow with somebody else, say a family member or a friend or somebody that will co-borrow with you and bring the rest of that needed income? Is that a possibility in any of these programs? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so most, most loan programs these days, you can, uh, especially conventional, you know, FHA, uh, you can have a, a co-borrower that's a non-occupying co-borrower. And as long as their, you know, credit score and, and uh, income and that sort of thing helps you out, they can be brought on to, uh, yeah, to help make the loan happen. But they can't make up for bad credit, right? Like if you have a 480 credit score, your uncle with an 820 can't come in and make up for your bad credit. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, so yeah. So in order to be able to do that, yeah, you yourself have to have a qualifying score and then the co-borrower as well okay. has to have a qualifying score. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the thing I love about these kinds of conversations, Stephen, is that it reminds everybody, you don't have to know this stuff. I mean, I, I kind of have tangentially just a bit of knowledge around the periphery of all these kind of programs, but I, I never claim to be the expert on them. And I just, I know who to call. And that's the difference. You can do the same by calling 226-8815. Put Stephen DeGist to work. Put him on your team now. Even if you don't think you're ready until next year or the year after, how do you know? If you don't go get pre-qualified, if you don't have a roadmap, you might stay right where you are. The other thing I like about these conversations is I always come across as the cool dude and Steven comes across as a bit of a nerd because I ask him the questions that require <laughs> nerdish type answers. So I'm, I'm by contrast, the cool dude. So I'm going to ask a question specifically designed to help Steven become a cool dude in your eyes. Steven, uh, what are you up to these days personally? Are you still practicing martial arts? You know, actually, you know, these days yeah, I'm not practicing martial arts. You know, after the, during the pandemic, we, we kind of disbanded. And so I haven't really, you know, come back together for that. But, uh, you know, what I did this, this year that was really enjoyable 
is I actually, I did it in sections, but I hiked from Captain Cook up uh, north of Nikiski, uh, hiked the beach from there to the end of uh, Land's End. So did it, it was like nine, I did it in nine hiking sessions. Wow. And was able to just hike that entire beach. And I tell you what, I would recommend that to anyone. That was just awesome. That was amazing. Well, I have to ask now, how, like, how many miles? I'm guessing that's got to be 100 miles. Yeah, 104 miles. Oh, wow. I'm good at guessing. That's amazing. And yeah, yeah. nine hikes. Yeah. So Stephen Gist is essentially telling you to go take a hike. It's worth it. Um, were you alone? You know, so, yeah. So for some of those, I was alone. Uh, for a couple of those, probably about 30 miles with one son and then 30 miles with another one of my sons. And that was, that was, that was, those were the best. Those are the best sections just because, you know, you got your child with you there. No phones, you know, no technology at all. You know, there were, you know, the hikes were about, you know, anywhere from three to four hours and just, just having your, your child there as a captive audience for three or four hours walking on a beautiful beach. It was just awesome. Just awesome. You've redeemed yourself as a cool dude. Stephen Gist at Global Credit Union 2268815 online, stephengist.com. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thank you, Chris. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Coming up, live like you're selling because one day you will be. Be right back. Are you looking for an exceptional life? What is exceptional living anyway? You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Remember, when I say wealth, you hear health, wealth, and prosperity, and that's in fact exceptional living. Yeah, financial abundance is part of it. Of course it is. But freedom of time, freedom of mind, freedom of your thoughts, freedom of your life, freedom from consumer debt, talking about the rat race cycle that will drag you down. Opportunity to design your own destiny is exceptional living. Being able to influence people in your own life, in your community, in your own backyard, that's exceptional living. See, the exceptional life is one that's in your control. Can't always control the circumstances, can't always control the environment around you, but you can always control your reaction, your response, how you deal with what life throws at you. That is 1,000% in your control, and that's where an exceptional life is lived. Where you are, with what you've got. Jim Rohn talked a lot about living an exceptional life. He could make buying a box of Girl Scout cookies an enthralling story about the transformation of his life because one day a Girl Scout came to his door. He was 26 years old, gone to a couple years of college, had a job and a family. Girl Scout knocks on the door. He answers. She says, mister, would you like to buy a box of Girl Scout cookies? $2. He doesn't have the $2, literally, to his name. Lies to the little girl. Tells her, oh, <laughs> I've got all the Girl Scout cookies. We, we could eat. Sorry, I, I don't need any right now. And she says, oh, that's terrific. Thank you, sir, and have a nice day. And moves on, and he turns his back to the closed door and sobs. And he says, never again. Never again. Ne for the rest of his life, he carried with him a couple of hundred dollars cash 
because he would never be in that position again. He would always have an abundance of money, freedom, time, choice, lifestyle by design, by his design. Abundance isn't just about money, and I want to really emphasize that. This is the Backyard Millionaire radio show. Of course it is. But again, wealth is about a whole life and how you go about living it. Wealth is about having love. Wealth is about being who you're supposed to be. You're gonna get a million answers to what's the measure of a man from the softness of his heart to the hardness of his hand. It's always been the same old question ever since this world began. A man can learn a lesson that he don't understand. Any fool can pull the trigger, anyone can start a fight. But to love is so much bigger, and so beyond it's black or white. And if we're gonna give our children, that is bright then the truth must be the answer and love must be the light the hardest thing you'll ever do is tell someone you're sorry you'll never be the bravest You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm so happy to be here with you. I know I say that every show, but I really mean it. Um, yeah, what, what an honor to just be here. And that you'd give this time to this conversation today means the world to me. I just text messaged Stephen Gist that I really enjoyed that conversation with him. And I said, and I confessed to him, I'd never in the past ever ever called a guest a nerd. That's right. It does take courage to love, but I love you, and I'm so grateful you're here with me. You can find me online anytime, day or night. I love homeralaska.com. You can start and stop your search for real estate anywhere in Alaska at I love homeralaska.com. Also, you can buy my books, The Backyard Millionaire, Born to Live, and The, Wa- uh, the Watchman, and The Making of Man in my Jacob Mann series. Now, Jacob Mann is a realtor, and he's a hero. But he's also a dark character. He's a bit of a complex character, and he's not for everybody. But if you like thrillers and well-made martinis, you'll love Jacob Mann. Land and education, why don't you? Here's a question. What if you bought land 
for your children right now. Let's pretend, um, let's pretend your child's six months old, a year old, two years old, three years old, and you buy a piece of land now with the idea that the equity will be used later for their education, be it college or trade school or traveling the world when they're of age. What would that be like? I was talking to my attorney the other day and she mentioned to me that she knows people that have done this. They bought a piece of land. It's easy to service a debt on a piece of land if you have any or just cash it out and just hold it. The holding costs aren't that great. And so it's, it's going to, over time, appreciate and outpace inflation. We know this, historically speaking. That's true. So imagine you buy your, your child who's one. Um, let's say it's a $50,000 lot. And when they're 18 to 20, it becomes a $90,000 lot. How about that? Or $100,000. Now, you get to be able to gift that to them and say, look, we can sell this. We can borrow against it. Put that into your education. And only, you know, obviously, it's the education they want. You know, is, is, do they want to become an engineer, an attorney, a psychologist? Do they want to go to college to do those things? Or do they want to go to a trade school? Do they want to become a craftsperson? Do they want to become a traveler, a writer? What is it that they want to do? They can put that money towards that. And again, the appreciation will have outpaced the inflation. See, um, if you did this one day, and I can promise you this. Now, my children are 34 and 28. I can promise you one day they will think you're a genius. But of course, keep this in mind, that's after they go through the teen years where they think you're a complete idiot. But you feel alone and confused and you don't think anyone understands. Well, I do. Lots of people do. Even Mr. Alice Cooper. Bet you don't think he's a square, do you? No, man, Alice Cooper rocks. Do you know this song? Lines form on my face and hands. Lines form from the ups and downs. I'm in the middle without any plans. I'm a boy or girl, and I'm a man or woman. I'm 18, I get confused every day. 18, I just don't know what to say. 18, I gotta get. Drums there, right? Oh, yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about? Is this making any sense at all? I think it is. Whoa. Yes. That opening was from Freaks and Geeks, which, what was that, early 2000s or late 90s? <laughs> I love that guy. Feels like I'm living in the middle of doubt. Alice Cooper was an, is an interesting character. In fact, his persona, Alice Cooper, I forget what his real name is, but um, he's quite an intellectual guy. He's well-read, well-educated, and very smart, very intelligent, and yet put on uh, a theatrical show. And um, that's really what it was. It was, uh, I don't want to call it kabuki theater, but essentially the, the blood and the, you know, the, his, his attitude, his persona from the 70s and, and 80s, was literally just an act behind the stage and behind the scenes, a dry, sober intellect, believe it or not. Let's talk about cash flow. I'm just looking at the clock. Do I have time to do that? 
I probably don't. But then everything I've got left to discuss with you is big. Oh, Evie. Um, yeah, look at that. Once again, I have underestimated the amount of time it's going to take to get through these things. They're just that big. I've kind of been threatening this idea of coming out with the after show. I may have to do it. There's just too much information, too much to share. Um, and But I don't want to cut short the fun bits like the music because one of my favorite things about radio is a combination of talking and, and music. So I, so I love performing it, but I also love listening to radio like that. So I don't know what to do. I, I mean, you know what I mean? Is it true what you wrote me about, Victoria? I'm afraid so, Frank. She just ran off with some guy. They got married last week. Well, then it's over. It's all over. All of this is meaningless. I did it for her. I did everything for her. And now she's gone. And you, you came down here to get the hot story, didn't you? Pictures of me to send you lousy newspapers. Uh, Frank. Sure, you think I'm a big hero, the man of the hour? Well, do any of you understand how a man can hurt inside? <laughs> Frank, they're not here for you. Weird Al Yankovic is on the plane. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to be talking about cash flow and living like you're selling. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Backyard Millionaire. Electricity. At 4.30 in the morning, I'm milking cows. Jebediah feeds the chickens and Jacob plows. Fool and I've been milking and plowing. If I'm being honest with you, honestly, and this is coming from my heart, I'm a little bit jealous that you get to hear this show. It's that good. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. I'm Christopher Story along with Mr. David Webb, bringing you what my mom calls the greatest show on earth. All right, Maya Angelou, my Angelou, she said something incredibly profound that I want to share it with you. They'll forget what you did. Well, this is sounding sad. They'll forget what you said. But here's the kicker. They'll never forget how you made them feel. Keep that in mind. It's time for Live Like You're Selling because one day you will. Trailers for sale are rent. Rooms glut 50 cents. No phone, no pool, no pets. Ain't got no cigarettes. I but two hours of pushing broom buys an eight-twelve-four-bit. All right. Just like, you know, it's a very sad thing, but when a couple divorces, every now and then, suddenly you'll see one of them jogging or exercising, um, tanning, getting braces. Suddenly they're taking up interesting hobbies. Well, the question is, why wait? Wouldn't the relationship have been better off if you'd both attempted to improve upon yourselves along the way? Khalil Gibran wrote in The Prophet, to drink together, he was speaking of marriage, to drink together, but not of the same cup. In other words, have your own interest, treat yourself to some self-improvement along the way, and everything you do will be enhanced to including your relationships, and the same applies to your real estate. Same applies to your real estate. Take an active interest in what you've already got. What if you're right now priced out of the market? Like, it's just not in the cards today for you to make an investment, another investment. What have you done with the one you've got? Pour some love into what you already own. 
what you've already got. Oh, you don't own yet. Okay, no problem. Pour some love into your rental unit with your landlord's consent and sometimes your landlord's money. Do you realize that there are landlords who would love to cooperate with you on replacing a door, a window, a fence, a deck board, something, flooring, paint, lighting. There's the, Landlords want to be able to cooperate with you, the tenant. If you take an active interest, you'll gain the education in addition to a better place to live. And you'll be improving upon it. And you'll be living like you're selling. You'll be living like your own. And then one day you will. That's the difference. Put an active interest into what you've got today. That's right, a little country western Def Leppard. Where else are you going to hear that? Nowhere but here. I promise that. I'm not even sure you should be hearing it here. Let's talk about cash flow. Okay, leverage multiplied by effort equals gold, equals the reward, whatever it is you're looking for. Health, wealth, prosperity. Leverage multiplied by effort equals gold. You need enough cash flow if you're going to leverage your way to the top, and I suggest that you do. If you're going to leverage your way to the top, you've got to have enough cash flow. You've got to have enough free board to be able to maintain live like you're selling, own like you're selling. You've got to be able to put back into the property. So you want enough that you can have maybe small margins. You don't need to hit it big. You don't need a home run out of the park. Not every property is going to be a massive cash flow up front. I'll give you a great example. Uh, one of the great, one of the best investments Tiffany and I've ever made, one of our rental homes at first only cash flowed about $100 a month. You can read that as $1,200 a year. We loved it, didn't care, did not care for an instant that that didn't make a lot of cash flow a month. We didn't care. We were having somebody else, and we still own that home 22 years later, somebody else paying down the interest, somebody else paying the taxes, somebody else paying the principal, completely other people's money. I didn't care that the first several years it was only 100 bucks a month. We knew that that margin would grow as the principal and the interest went down. The, what was owed diminished. Interest, uh, I should say the rent increased over time. That's with uh, appreciation comes inflation, all of it. And your real estate's going to stay ahead of that. So you have to decide. See, the backyard millionaire formula is to own and control four homes in your own backyard and enjoy enough, enough cash flow that you can, even if it's break even for today, more or less, have enough to maintain and keep the property in good condition. And one day, that cash flow is going to be much, much bigger. You're going to have a much bigger margin. Here's my warning, though. Do not measure your success or your investments by the metric of other people. Have your own metric by which you measure the success of the property in your own terms. There's, um, well, there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of theories. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of investors. There's a lot of people pitching and constantly preaching. And fine, take some of it and leave the rest. Don't worry about how many doors. Don't worry about the ROI according to, to Bob Jones out of Phoenix, Arizona. Don't worry about it. You worry about your backyard. You worry about your cash flow, and you know where your neighborhood's going. In my, I want to call it a book, but it's not. It's more or less a, um, what would you call this? 
I mean, it's about 35, 40 pages. It's a pamphlet, booklet, whatever. It's free. It's called The Millionaire Maker, The Six Practical Steps to Your First Four Homes from the Backyard Millionaire. Step number four is to learn the market in your own backyard. Okay, I want you to know what's going on nationally. I want you to really become an expert in your backyard. I want you to become an expert. Where's your community growing? I just texted a client recently that um, this is a lot you might want to invest in. Why? Because the community is growing there. That's why. And it's going to uh, double in value in probably five years. Yeah, because I know this market. And he also is an expert in this market and will likely agree and understand. But that's what you need to do is to understand your own backyard, your own market. Thus, as you leverage your way to the top, you're leveraging more information and mortgages, of course, you're going to be using other people's money, but you're leveraging your mind and information and your mindset and your knowledge base, and it grows. So, hey, do you want the, I'd love to give you the Millionaire Maker. Text your email address and your name to me at 907-299-7653. It's a large PDF file. Um, it's got a beautiful cover. It's six steps. Your first four homes. They're practical. They're manageable. They're easy. And I think I pretty well explain whatever was left out of the backyard millionaire as far as tactical approach, because that's a story. It's a parable. I put it in this, and this is absolutely free. I want to send it to you. The millionaire maker just text message your email address at 907-299-7653 in your first name, and I'll send it to you. No obligations. I want to talk real quick in the remaining time we have about critical thinking. See, how you think is more important than what you think. And the reason is information changes, your knowledge base expands, and new information comes to light. So what you think might change, but how you think is critically important, and you must critically think about everything, meaning you analyze situations and circumstances for your own self. You're not waiting to be fed ideas or told what to think by a politician or a news outlet or some leader. Nope, you're going to think critically. So what you think is less important than how you think because information changes all the time. New information's coming in. I want you to be able to change your mind. I want you to be able to look and analyze and say, oh, okay, I see it differently now as a result of this new information. And But you're still critically thinking. It's not the party leader. It's not some uh, official telling you, okay, here's what we think now. I don't mind when politicians flip-flop. And I, what I mean to say is when they change their mind can be then portrayed by somebody else as a flip-flop. But the reality is that they have new information. For example, let's say you, one of your politicians out there had been a big open border person. Hey, my family came in, you know, uh, through Ellis Island. This is where we're a country of immigrants. We need an open border. And then a family member of theirs dies of a fentanyl overdose they might look differently at the border. I want to give them room to change their mind. I want critical analysis. I want critical thinking. It's something I think we should be teaching our children, our grandchildren, is to critically think, not feed them the answers, but ask them to arrive at their own, have debate, have and engage in conversation, be interested in other people, and you will become suddenly very interesting. Critical thinking. I know you know this. 
I just feel like we, you and I have to proselytize this as much as we can. We have to get it out there. We have to share this with as many people as possible, this idea of critically thinking. No matter what's coming from the NIH, the CDC, the DEA, the FBI, the CIA, the White House, your Capitol, your City Hall, you and I have to apply critical thinking and we have to arrive at our own decisions. It's time. You can win friends and influence people simply by applying critical thinking and doing it in a way where you're asking probably more than you're telling. And in the conversation, as you become interested in the other person's thoughts, you'll have an opportunity to influence them and gain new knowledge for yourself if need be and be ready to change your position on something if through your own critical analysis, something changes. New information, a new insight, a new experience, I was going to say a new study, but I think during COVID, right, didn't we learn studies don't mean a whole lot? Those can be funded by any side of any position. So I'm talking about still applying critical thinking to that kind of information. Oh, a study says, no, not going to believe it anymore. Got to do our own critical thinking. Zig Ziglar said, positive thinking will let you do everything better than negative thinking. For all of us here at the Bankyard Millionaire, I'm Chris Story reminding you that, yes, you really can, and I do mean you, make a million bucks in your own backyard. We'll see you next time. Thank you.